Hey, what's up, guys? I'm Taylor Rapp, former Washington Husky defensive back, and you are tuned in to the Circling Seattle Sports Podcast. Hello, and welcome to episode 46 of the Circling Seattle Sports Podcast. This is Seattle interview series number six here with Dave Sims, the TV voice of the Seattle Mariners. Hello, Dave. How are you doing today? Doing well, Charles. How are you, man? I'm all right. I want to say happy late birthday. I know I'm a couple days off. Um, yeah, thanks. Appreciate it. So... I'm just going to start off here. Uh, so where, where would you say that your passion for sports started? Because you're not just baseball. People that know you know you're not just baseball. You know, you've done basketball. You've done football. Where would you say that, you know, that passion for you started? Uh, well, it was about yo big. I mean, I've been around it all my life. Um, wild man was very involved, huge sports fan. And um, growing up in Philly, we got the got to follow him around uh, when he was playing softball the Philadelphia Post Office League, when he was the commissioner of the Basketball League, and then we'd go see the Phillies, the Eagles, the Warriors. I mean, I got to see all those generational players back in the late 50s and, and into the 60s. I mean, uh, and then subsequently was able to, I mean, I'd, I'd met Walt Chamberlain before he passed and did an interview with him one time when I was doing the Knicks radio, uh, pregame, postgame, and uh, halftime show. Of, uh, Met and interviewed Jim Brown, Willie Mays, Aaron, uh, Bob Gibson, Mickey Mantle, Don Drysdale. I mean, I've met so many of my the guys I grew up with, a whole bunch of basketball players. So I've been unbelievably lucky and unbelievably blessed. So would you say that there was anybody, even particularly from that group you've just mentioned, that inspired you to get into sports journalism and that, you know, to help you uh, inspire you to get into that career? Well, you know, there were hardly, there were no black guys doing this when I was growing up. Um, and the first one I saw doing it, doing it was, uh, was Bill White. It was a great first baseman with the Giants and the Cardinals and the Phillies. And he was in Philly, I think his last year and a half, two years, he was with, um, he was with the Phillies and some people took a, there's a whole involved story there, but anyway, short story is that he wound up at the local ABC affiliate and, and started doing sports anchoring. And then he did a couple of flyers games. And next thing I know about two years later, around 72, I want to say 72, three, he's with the Yankees doing broad, yeah, radio broadcast with Phil Rizzuto and Frank Messer. And he was, uh, those guys were an institution. So, I mean, Bill White's the first you know black guy uh, that I saw do sports. As a matter of fact, I just talked to him a few weeks ago on his birthday. So I, I always tell him I, Many times during the course of a month, I, I pay tribute to him. I'll go, you know, fly ball goes, you know, deep to the left, deep to the left. And I say it just in that same inflection because that's how he called the Bucky Dent home run oh. against Boston in the 78, 78 uh, playoff game. So he, he was a main guy. And then, you know, of course, all the, the, the mainstays during that time uh, were also very big. I mean, Jack Whitaker, Bill Campbell in Philly, nationally, Kirk Gowdy, Jim Simpson, Dick Enberg, Vince Scully. Pat Summerall, Lindsey Nelson. I mean, you just go right down, and I've had a chance to meet most of those guys. And, uh, you know, and I've the, I call Mr. Scully every year on his birthday, and and uh, so it's uh, Charlie, the late Charlie Jones. I got to work the the '88 Olympics track and field with him, uh, Bob Neal. I mean, I, I so I've I've been uh, people I've met over the course of my career. Uh, yeah, you know, the uh, the Hall of Famers in both. Uh, as on-field performers and in the booth has been pretty remarkable and, and again, very blessed, very lucky. So taking that into account, what was, what was it like for you to join ESPN at the time back then? Cause I'm sure things have changed from uh, up until this point, I'm sure things are a lot different. Um, but how is it back then? Well, diversity, uh, was it equity and inclusion is uh, is tremendous. You know now, um, I, when I started doing basketball games for ESPN in February '91, I started my big break was doing Temple University football in 1990, and a few months later, so that was what September, October, November, and then February of uh, '90 of '91, I was on ESPN doing hoops, '93 four doing basket baseball. So. Um, at that point, like the only black guys they had are Greg Gumble, Stuart Scott, I think, had just gotten there. Or no, I don't think he had gotten there yet. I didn't think he got there to the mid to late 90s. Uh, it, it was a lot. It was a big deal, man. ESPN, you know, it's still, it was, it was really, I mean, we're used to it now, but the impact was like, dude, 24-7 sports? This is unbelievable. Uh, 
yeah. And I was doing games on there. It was great. I got to work with a lot of great people, man. So would you say that there's any contrast between working with ESPN and then working with Fox and FS1? Pretty much the same crew. I mean, huh. uh, a lot of cats that worked at ESPN have moved over to Fox over the years and ditto some of the announcers. I mean, uh, I, I know I've worked a ton of games at ESPN, uh, well, ESPN Regional with Jim Spinarco, and I've done games with him there, I've done games with Lenny Elmore uh, at ESPN and at Fox. So, you know, it's a little bit of a carryover. Um, you know, there's some rating going on and competition. You know, hey, I'll give you a couple more bucks. You know, the usual stuff. Do you have a favorite moment? If, if you could pick one, because I'm sure there is probably a good amount of memorable ones um, from Sunday Night Football and even, I believe, from what I read, Monday Night Football. Is there anything that really sticks out to you the most from your time doing those? So many. Um, I did seven conference championship games. I did like 10 Pro Bowls. Uh, I can remember Baltimore, the Ravens had Brady and the boys beaten up in New England one time. And uh, I can't remember who the kicker was. It was Sam Cooks, the punter. But a dude, he missed a field goal that would have tied it, sent it to overtime. And on that same drive, the tip player or two before, I think it was Lee Evans, a tight end out of Wisconsin, two uh, and a front corner, right end zone, dropped a touchdown pass that yep. would have given him the win. Was it Billy Cundiff, the kicker? Uh, that's what it was, Billy Cundiff, yeah. And uh, I couldn't believe it. I mean, it was like a, like it was like a 40, 45, 35, 45-yard field goal. That's money for these guys these days, and he missed it. And that, that was heartbreaking. Uh, another one that was heartbreaking, I remember Bob Trumpy and I were doing a game. Tony, Tony Dungy was in Baltimore. It's probably for, I don't know, second, third year, but he's there. And he's got Roethlisberger and the, and the Steelers beaten buses on the team pittsburgh's going in for i think a tire lead score it's a pick dude brings it out of the end zone takes it out to about the 45 50 yard line gets tackled by roethlisberger fumbles the ball pittsburgh regains goes down and scores so i think they're leading by three peyton gets the ball back gets Vanderjack in a position and he misses like from 49, I want to say 49 or 45. And he pulled it, pulled it left. I remember he was, Manning was really PO'd and said something <laughs> about our liquored up kicker. Oh, he was geez. really hacked. I remember, <laughs> that, that comes to mind. I mean, I, I could go on forever, but I mean, that, those are a couple that, that come to mind. It was, um, and I filled in for Marv a couple of times on Monday night football. Cause he either had conflicts or didn't want to go to Washington. Uh, I remember doing a, uh, was that a Monday night game? It might have been Dallas, Washington at Washington. And there, like, if this is the if this is the football field, the, the the radio booth was in the corner end zone, mid level, so almost field level, so you couldn't see anything that happened down here. Oh. And I would watch it off a monitor. That was pretty stupid. Uh, that that was, oh. that was that was a bad situation. Was that that uh, uh, trick play that didn't work out? Uh, no, this this is going back. This got to be going back to like 2010, 2011, something like that just remembered it was an interception by Dallas. Uh, and I, I, I know it was intercepted, but I couldn't see who it was. And I mm-hmm. think, I think uh, Washington sealed the game with a pick. Yeah. So it's, you know, it's, there's been some good stuff. Oh, I can remember. Oh, there's another one. I remember Reggie Bush going uh, uh, an NFC championship. I think it was, yeah, they beat the, the bears in Chicago. Or may, I think I don't know if it was an NFC championship game, but I know it was a playoff game. And I remember he took a toss left, cut it back diagonally to the right. And I just remember Erlacher trying to catch him. It wasn't even close. <laughs> yeah, no, football's football's kind of been my uh, bread and butter for a while. And then, you know, I started working with the Mariners again and everything just started coming back to me, you know. So it's definitely cool to hear about, you know, being able to be in person for those games. I, I remember that Ravens game. I was like, because I've always liked defense, you know, and Ray Lewis and Ed Reed and those guys. And I was oh, like, yeah, man, that was stout defense, man. So, you know, you take those into account. You take ESPN and Sunday night and Monday night, you know, and you said uh, doing baseball in 93 and 94. What ultimately led up to joining the Mariners broadcast team? How did that come to be? Nothing, nothing deep and dark and secret about it. They had an opening. Ron fairly retired. They uh, opened it up for 
for guys to put in for it. Um, um, I was told by, let's say, a friend of my of my brother-in-law of a, one of my brothers-in-law, uh, who is and this guy's now my boss, Kevin Martinez. He was running uh, marketing then, or still is, but I, he was like vice president, something what marketing anyway. And I'd known him for for a while, and I'd done some some radio liners when they were students at Syracuse in the late '80s. And he said, hey, are you interested in this job? And I said, you know, long story short, uh, yeah, I put in for it and I got the job and here we are getting ready to start the 15th year. So you had a lot of good guys too. Oh, yeah. Um, shit. No, that, I mean, because, you know, as long as I can remember, you know, it's like there's, well, a couple names, you know, that stick out to me, obviously. But it's, you know, Dave Simmons. Dave Simmons is kind of synonymous with uh, Mariners baseball for me. So, you know. To take that into account, let's go into Mariners baseball here. Um, you got to call two perfect games in one MLB season, uh, which is pretty cool to hear about because I guess that was the first time that an announcer had gotten to call two perfect games in one one season. So I believe the first one was against us. I think it was the White Sox. That obviously must not have been – I mean, I think he had to be neutral because I think Joe Buck was calling it on the national level. Well, what happened was Kenny Albert was assigned to the game and the New York Rangers made the, made the NHL playoffs that year. So he couldn't make it. So that game was a Saturday. It was a B net game. Uh, Yankees uh, Red Sox was the A net game. So we were being, we were broadcasting into uh, the great Chicago land area and obviously Pacific Northwest. Um, and I worked, uh, let's see, I worked with uh, Eric Karras, who's a really good first baseman with the Dodgers and the Cubs out of, uh, what, he's out of SC, I think, and or UCLA, I think it's UCLA. Um, anyway, yeah, we did that, and, you know, I had to split that down the middle, and they came to a full national for, like, the last, I think, two outs might have been the last inning, half inning. And, you know, it, yeah, you call it, you're excited. It's, you know, I'd never seen a perfect game live. And it was against my club, but you know, you had to sort of like, and then when Felix, uh, what was it? Uh, August 15th, 2012, getaway day game, beautiful day against Tampa Bay and one nothing win. And uh, that was great because Felix was, you know, he was at his peak then he was in his prime. I mean, he almost any time that he could throw, you know, a no hitter, one hitter, perfect game, perfect game. Well, Mariners had never had a perfect game. So that was, that was a big deal. And I, I, I was really caught up in the excitement of it. And, you know, I look back on some, I might've been a little bit over the top, but I, I didn't mind. I didn't even mind now because it was that exciting. Oh yeah. It was at home. It was a beautiful day. There was 20, a little, a little bit less, a little less, a little bit more than 20,000 people. And it was just, it was just amazing. It, it was in complete command. He'd get behind and they count. He'd throw a breaking ball for a strike. You know, everybody sitting on the fast play, throw a breaking ball for a strike. He'd throw a change up for a strike when he got behind. Then he, then when they were sitting, on the, on the break and stuff, you thought fastball and paint, you know, so it, it was, it was a lot of fun, but I always say as cool as that is to call two perfect games. Also, that was the year we also had the six pitcher no-no against the Dodgers. That's really cool. But, you know, a pat on the back and a, and a, a swipe of a, my Metro card will get me on the subway. It, it, you know, it's big, but you know, it, it's, it's nice, you know, but it's not life affirming. Oh yeah. <laughs> no, it's, um, I just remember being, who, you know, who was I listening to call that game? I was sitting here uh, listening to you call that game. So it was pretty cool. And I remember at least going uh, with Felix. I was at the, his last game that he pitched, and it was just – it was unreal. I mean, obviously the game wasn't this huge thing, but the atmosphere was – it was, it was uh, you know. So um, going with ballparks, uh, I'm, you've been your fair share of ballparks. Is there one that you can consider your favorite uh, in terms of visiting? The one that sticks out to you the most that you would um, go into on the road? Uh, San Fran, uh, uh, or, or, or I don't even know what the hell they call it anymore, but the, the Giants home ballpark, uh, Wrigley, um, Fenway for its, I hate the view up there because we're at the top of the stadium looking down, so it's a little distorted. I should try to Cool. But it's really cool. And, you know, the, the Green Monsters, you know, it is what it is. And it, it, it's a lot of fun. And they've had, for the most part, since I've been here, they've had good teams, great teams. Um, where else? Philly, because I was born and raised there. And it was nice to see that new ballpark. 
uh, Yankee Stadium, the new Yankee Stadium, it is it is like a mall, but it's still Yankee Stadium. Uh, Dodger Stadium is you can't you never can go wrong with that. Uh, those are the ones that really jump out. St. Louis because of the atmosphere, because they're such great baseball fans, and 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 they are they're knowledgeable. They appreciate good plays by the the opponents. They support the heck out of the Cardinals. Uh, great tradition there as well. Pittsburgh has a lovely ballpark. Uh, just uh, right across the river, I want to say what uh, I think it's the Allegheny River, Monongahela, they form the three rivers. It's right there, and you look at the skyline of Pittsburgh. And the last few times we've been there, it's been during spectacular weather. So, what you know, what we have, you know, we're, our, our ballpark is pretty much enclosed, but you're looking at it beyond the right field stands, and you know, you can put one in the river, look at the Clemente Bridge. So, those are the ones that jump out. I haven't, I haven't been. Well, obviously, this past year we missed going to Texas in their new ballpark. And if we we travel this year, that'll be my first time down there. Um, Houston did a nice job with their ballpark. Uh, they got a roof on it, which they needed. So I you know those are the ones that, that sort of jump out. When you you take into because they've done some decent. Oh, and even last season there was some remodeling with T-Mobile Park. Um, how would you say it stacks up to the other ballpark? Because I don't know. Oh, do it's- it, it's right there, dude. It is. It's, I mean, I, I really like it. I mean, every time we come home, you know, come home after a road trip, it's like, damn, it's nice to be home. This, this place is really special. And, and being lucky enough to travel around, you can contrast and compare. I mean, they didn't, they got just that everything that could go right, uh, went right in, in T-Mobile and, I, I don't even I, I I can't even imagine any quibbles to be honest with you. I mean, I've walked around that ballpark and watched from every angle. I mean, and and if you've never been to any other ballparks, let me, I can just tell you, you got to there's we have a gem on our hands, man. It's a it's a great ballpark, and, and for for me and the media, and, and for TV, uh, print media, uh, broadcast media, I mean, they nailed that. I mean, in terms of workspace allotment, it's tremendous. It's unbelievable. It's all. It's always interesting, I think, because they always do a really good job. At least I think, you know, with the fan experience and just making sure it's, you know, enjoyable to be there. And I really do want to get out there and see because I know they did something up near uh, home plate. Uh, oh yeah, behind home plate. Uh, I haven't even seen it yet, but I've, I've seen the drawings. But they did a heck of a job uh, going all the way out down the left field line to the pole, the foul pole, and they they put a whole bunch of neat things in. And then to my right, they've open some open air uh vistas uh right on the main concourse level which are really good too so again i've only i have not seen it obviously for a game day situation see how it works but it's that what i have seen is very impressive so you know obviously things were different last year um but on a normal game day let's say what what does a standard day for you at the ballpark look like um and then if you could compare it to what happened last year, you know, on a, a normal game day. Well, you know, uh, this past year, you could, they only wanted um, you, you, X amount of pe- people in a ballpark at one time. And the normal circumstances, you know, I get up, you know, breakfast, work out, you know, read, you know, get online, read everything, make a couple of phone calls, and usually get to the ballpark at, three, three, you know, depending on what's going on, like service likes to do his media daily media session at um, three fifteen for home games. So I usually try to leave my apartment. I don't live too far away from the ballpark so I can get there in like five, 10 minutes. Uh, so, you know, I leave, if I leave my apartment at two 30, you know, get set up, go downstairs, listen to service, talk to him at the media, his media spray. And then, you know, work the clubhouses and then, uh, you know, put the scorebook together, get something to eat, and then it's game time at 7.05. Uh, this year, this past year, home games, he would – I think I think he used to go at 4.15-ish. Yeah, because and, – and they didn't want you in the building until 3.30. So, yeah, that's about mm-hmm. like 4, 4.15. So, and, and he couldn't go to the clubhouses. So, if we were lucky enough, if they could hook somebody up and put them on, on, uh, on Zoom – they did it. And hopefully this year, I anticipate we'll probably have a very similar situation this year, at least to start. I'm hoping, I'm praying that second half of the season or sooner, they'll open it up limited to, you know, 
five, you know, two, five, seven, pick a number. They have to see how they can spread people out. And they already have that in plan on paper, but now they got to see how it's going to work out in reality. Um, and that being the case, and, and then my other can, my other hope is that I'll have, you know, we'll have access to the players that at minimal be able to go down the batting cage. I can say, you know, yo, what up? What do you got? What's going on? That kind of stuff. And that's a big part of what we do. So with that being said, is there anybody in particular that sticks out as, as like a favorite or somebody that is most memorable to you uh, when speaking to the guys, at least whether it be, you know, current roster, former, former Mariner, is there anybody that really was fun to speak with? Well, Nelson Cruz, my all time favorite. I think, um, I don't think there's any question about that. I mean, Junior, when, you know, I was here for, you know, Junior at the end of his career, the last, 09 and 10, he was, he's always a blast to talk to him. You know, we're friends and talk to him. We call each other periodically. Um, Seeger, Seeger is um, sneaky funny. Hmm. Got a good sense of humor. He's a good dude, too. Uh, you know, and you can have good conversation with him. For the most part, you know, if he's going bad, you know, he'll talk about it. And, and he doesn't get, crazed like you know and if he's going good if he's hot and you know, just sort of leave him alone and you know he doesn't he's not a braggadocious he's, he's just a good dude marco's really good uh what's my man's name uh, wade leblanc i always enjoy talking to him um those are the guys that jump out i mean i always got along with cano um that's oh well mike sweeney was here mike sweeney's like one of the all-time nicest people you ever want to meet hmm. uh because junior always says mike sweeney adam dunn mike sweeney adam dunn is oh and uh the mayor sean casey they're the same guy and it's true they had the almost the exact same personality always up huh. unbelievably super friendly uh funny just and good dudes. Yeah, you, you like hanging around them. Yeah, really, really good people. So if you had to pick some like the funniest guy in the clubhouse right now, you'd probably say it'd be Seeger just because he's sneaky, uh, sneaky funny. Or is there somebody that you'd put over him? That's a good question. Um, and we got so many new freaking guys. I would say he'd have to be the guy because again, we got so many new guys. I don't even know. Uh, like we just got a whole new medical staff. I don't know those guys. Huh. Uh, barely know the, the the current coaching staff outside of uh, service and uh, I, I, you know I know service pretty well I know Manny acted pretty well I know Perry Perry pretty well um, Lake I, I don't know Lake that well but I, I at least been around him I'm talking about Tim Laker and then uh, Pete Woodruff I didn't I never got the chance to get to meet really get to know him last year so now nah, it's all good it's a good it's a good crew it's a good crew. Speaking of that, you know, the the newer guys in that clubhouse, what do you what do you think about, you know, this this roster as it sits right now? Because obviously, I mean, pitchers and catchers report today, but I'm sure there's still things that could change. What what are your thoughts on kind of the new guys? Because it's funny, I've got my picture right here. Uh, I got to meet Kyle Lewis at the end of 2019 because I, I was really lucky and he was just uh, back near uh, – the diamond club. Um, so that was really cool to see his 2020, but I mean, guys like shed long and um, potentially guys. Good, getting up, yeah, you know. good guy. What are your thoughts on that roster right now? Um, you know, and the, the younger guys, I'd say is like with Evan white. Uh, I, I like him. I mean, you know, Evan white's um, he, he's got sort of a, a little bit of a dry sense of humor. Um, real religious kid. Uh, as you know, great fielder. He and Kyle Lewis are there. They were roommates uh, in the minors for a while. And it's a good crew. Kyle, uh, Evan, Dylan Moore, Shed, JP. Uh, I'm looking forward to meet, meet, meeting uh, Taylor Trammell. Uh, I've not really, I don't think I've met Logan Gilbert. And um, who's the other guy? Uh, Kirby. Um, I, I haven't met any, I haven't met any of those, uh, those guys. Uh, you know, it's a super young team. Glad to have Paxton back. Hopefully he stays healthy. Hopefully he can be the bell cow. Me and Marco will be at the top of the rotation. Uh, you know, a lot to, a lot to prove. The potential's great. Uh, well, it, it seems to be great. Um, you know, Hanny's coming back. I talked to – I just talked to 
Justin Dunn and and uh, Dylan Moore last week we did a thing. Instead of a caravan this year, we we did all these virtual. Oh yeah, things, mm-hmm. and they were and they both. Uh, Justin Dunn said he says Hanny looks like a freaking animal, man. He looks like he's back. He's it's back to where he was, if not even better. So that's a good sign. Um, it, it, you know, I, I I don't like going out, particularly with a young team. That, to me, it doesn't even make sense to try to predict what how many wins they're going to get. You just don't know. Mm-hmm. Because for most of these guys, it's no more than the second time going through the heat of a major league season. And a lot of these guys are coming off a 60-game season. There's a big difference playing mm-hmm. a 60 and a 162. Actually, 190 when you count the, the spring training games. A big difference. But, you know, there is there is potential. Yeah. And, um, you know, the division... You know, question marks with Houston. You know, Oakland loses some significant personnel. Uh, you know, Houston's with Springer goes to Toronto. Verlander's on the shelf. Uh, they need some. They need some closing help. I mean, some bullpen help. They're still going to hit. I mean, they're infield. My oh, God. Yeah. I mean, uh, their infield's ridiculous. I mean, nobody talks about Guriel. I mean, you know, Altuve and Correa and Bregman are givens, but Guriel kills us. Uh, so those guys and and Brantley. So that's five really good hitters right there. So. Uh, I don't know what their starting pitching is going to be. You know, Granky, you know, he'll grind it out. He's 37, 36, 37 now. So, yeah, we'll see. It's, yeah, it's just ex- exciting, especially with Taylor Trammell, uh, seeing him. And I, I started to like Ty France once we got him uh, after that trade for Nola. Um, so, I don't know. I get really excited, you know, just thinking about the roster. And I, it, 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 it's a good point. You know, they're young. So it's kind of hard to put a cap on them and it's just, you know, kind of letting them play. And yeah, I'm sure it must be a whole different thing going from last year uh, to what we're looking at this year. It's got to be a whole different beast. Uh, yeah. And, you know, again, these guys, you know, some of these guys are going through, you know, the intensity of a, you know, of a season. And then, you know, let's say they're in it, you know, August, September, and that's a, that's a whole nother level, man. And we don't have a lot of guys who've been through that. Uh, um I mean, a, a, a hardcore pennant chase. Uh, we don't have anybody that's been through something like that. No, we don't. Murph's never been through it. I mean, you know, Murphy was a journeyman catcher till, you know, he hit big here in 19. Um, you know, Evan White's not been through it. Dylan and, and uh, Shed at second, JP at third. Seager's seen a little bit. Seager had a taste. I take that back. It's in it 14 and 16 and, and a lesser extent, 18. And then you look at the outfield, Kyle, no, Hanny, no, and whoever we put in left, no, pitchers, none of the pitchers. Yeah, so, yeah, I mean, I've seen projections. I've seen projections of 70, 71, and 73 wins so far. But, you know, I I, I don't want to even get down on that. I mean, I just we just have to see. You, know, you just oh, yeah. you have to play it out. Is there speaking of left field? Do you think uh, well left field outfield? Do you think we see Mister Kelnick come up this year at all? Or I'd be stunned. I, I think I I can I, I can safely guarantee we'll see him. It's just a matter of when. Mm-hmm. And I, my guess, and it seems like from everything I'm gathering, you know, May twenty uh, May twenty window in that time frame because I, I you know those rules are crazy. <clears throat> and I'm not totally up on him, but I know in terms of he can start a service time then, and that buys the Mariners an extra year uh, oh. of control. But in the same token, starting you know on 27th, and obviously he's going to be in camp. If he rips it up and goes absolutely nuts, who knows? But I know they want to save that extra year. They're planning on him being a superstar. Mm-hmm. So they're not going to want to give up that that year of control. So I would I would say that May twenty to May 30, 31 window look for him then. So this one not necessarily Mariners related. Um, it's more baseball centered. Um, but personally, what do you think um, has caused the decline in the numbers of African American players in the MLB and just in the game of baseball? Because it's only seven point seven percent. A man will be our African American, and that's down from thirteen percent uh, in the twenty-first uh, start of the twenty-first century. My apologies. So, do you do you have uh, thoughts on that, and what what's caused that? Yeah, we could go for hours on this. Um, 
game. I was talking to a friend of mine yesterday who's a baseball guy. I said the game games for today's kids, it's not fast enough. Uh, and and I'm a lifer, and I would agree with that. I mean, I, I if you go back and look at some of the greatest games ever played, I think if you go back and look at the Bobby Thompson home run October third, fifty one, a game was two twenty eight. I look back. Pittsburgh uh, Yankees game seven World Series 1960 was like 231 and they had 19 runs scored. No, I think it was no strikeouts or something. Um, sorry about that sound in New York. No, um, father, son, hand me down. It's not what it, the dynamics not there. <clears throat> it's way too expensive. Um, uh, we, 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 we fall behind football and basketball and promoting our guys and there, there, there were, I tell you what, there's been a lot of, a lot of discussion about it, and I know that D. Gordon, Jerry Manuel have thrown out ideas. Hey, World Baseball Classic, have a have a team of all Black Americans. Hey, why not? It's not going to hurt anybody, um, and that would be a good marketing ploy, I guess. Uh, I don't have a problem with that. Um, it, I think the expense, like when I grew up. Get played in the neighborhood teams. I walked around there. I had a playground less than 100 yards away from where I grew up. Mm-hmm. There was leagues there. There was another playground a quarter of a mile, half a mile away. You could walk to and play. I played when I played CYO. I played high school. Uh, everything now is elite. Everything now, for the most part, is travel. And a lot mm-hmm. of guys, you know, you can't afford that. And, yeah. you know, but then when you get into the sociological stuff, where you know you don't you have you know more black single moms raising kids they don't have time to go out and have to catch they got to work they got to put food on the table you know come on but there's so many dynamics that have changed and if you're lucky like <clears throat> some guys you know you talk to Shed Lung and he was a good athlete he was identified and he was hooked up on travel teams that kind of stuff and I mean the Mariners are playing their part to provide scholarships along those lines. So hopefully, uh, you know, that'll make a difference and hopefully other teams in Major League Baseball get, get on board with that. But that, those are some of the, some of the, the pinpoints that, uh, that have affected this situation. I mean, I look back, I was just reading a piece about that in the late 70s, it was like 17% African-Americans were in baseball. And one year, somebody said, somebody sent me a list of, I want to say 1978, the top 15 batting averages like 13 guys or people of color. The only non-black American was Rod Carew because he's born in Panama, black American. And everybody, I mean, Dave Parker, now you look at that list, it's like, damn, those are great players, man. Joe Morgan and all those cats. So it's just different, man. It really is. It really is. It's a shame. And you spoke about it a little bit with, with the youth. Um, and obviously Griffey took that position uh, with the MLB office. What do you what do you think can be done to start attracting younger fans? Because you did mention uh, a little bit about it, but do you think there are certain things that could be done to start attracting some of the youth of today to follow the game of baseball? Well, greater, I mean, I, I just somebody said the other day in a discussion we had, or I was we're reading, you got to get the players out there to basically meet and greet and show that hey, man, we're here. <clears throat> I have a friend in Seattle is always talking about. You know, a lot of um, a lot of kids say in that nine to 14, 15 range, they could probably name most of the black players in the NBA, some of them, certainly with the Seahawks, uh, but they don't know who Kyle Lewis is uh, or that kind of thing. I think that that's the thing. You got to get players in the game, excuse me, players in the game in front of people. Mm-hmm. And if you have to start, you know, certain days for youth groups and bring them to the ballpark, have them tour, have them, you know, have a meet and greet beforehand. I mean, you gotta, you gotta step out outside the box, man, and do things differently, and and I, and go from there. I mean, it's simple, and one in one hand and the other, you just gotta do it. I know that the I don't know where else they went, but I know there was a little uh, event the Mariners had. I think late 2019. I remember they were doing a little traveling thing. It was. It was Rick Riz and uh, Patrick Wisdom and Justin Dunn and Justice Sheffield. And they were just, uh, they were down at uh, South Center. And that was pretty cool to go and meet those guys just because, you know, Justin Dunn and Justice Sheffield, two guys who. They just got here, yeah. 
and uh and rick riz you know i got to speak with him and now i get to speak with you you know so it was, it was pretty cool to have that and i think that's kind of an extent you know of what you mean but yeah i think you know you get these guys out there because that's to an, to an extent i mean if you just look at some of the followings right for some of the players in the nfl as compared to even kyle lewis i mean the numbers the numbers there's a difference there so i, I think you bring up a good point there um and just having them out there because yeah i mean if you have no out to the park right now, well, if I go and ask some kid on the street, say, hey, do you know who Kyle Lewis is? I don't know what that percentage is. Um, or, you know, who's your favorite baseball player? And have it be somebody other than, you know, like a Mike Trout or something, guys who are at the, you know. So but even Mike Trout doesn't, you know, it's not, yeah. he doesn't do a lot of promotion stuff. He said, hey, I just want to, and I know Mike a little bit. Say, hey, man, I just want to play ball. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I, the league, uh, MLB would do well to get him out there. I mean, he's recognized as the best player we got. And, uh, hey, dude, we need some help, man. Come on. <laughs> so taking that into account, I know we've been talking about baseball here for this part. Um, but do you have a favorite sport that you've called outside of baseball? Is there one that sticks out to you as a clear-cut favorite? Man, I've been so lucky. I don't look at it like that. I get asked that question all the time. I, I am, as a, you know, as a, as a the black guy that grew up in Philly with no role models in this, in this field to even, you know, consider until Bill White. And if I had said to some of the guys I grew up with that I wanted to do this, they'd have laughed, you know, laughed me right off the, out of the playground. So uh, the fact that I, I, I've had a chance to call major college basketball, host final fours, radio, you know, conference championships in, in the NFL and, and doing a major league baseball team and doing baseball at ESPN. Hey, man, they're all good. I'm not in a position to say I like this one more than the other. I've been blessed to have the whole package. So you, you spoke about it a little bit. And even uh, when I was talking to you to set this up, you've mentioned Coach K. What's, what's your relationship like with Coach K and having that? I believe it's 16 seasons now. I could be wrong. Uh, but having being able to co-host with him, uh, basketball and beyond with Coach K on Sirius XM Satellite Radio, Satellite Radio, pardon me. Uh, what's what's your relationship like with him? Well, very friendly and uh, very cordial, very professional. Uh, no, I mean, I, I got his phone number. And I can call him. I called him. I was out for a walk the other day and called him. Hey, man, happy birthday. Called him when he went into quarantine a while ago. No, it's, it's all good. We um, have a good time. And, and because of, you know, who he is and what he's accomplished. And, and when the producer calls and says, hey, hey, would you like to join us on you know, Basketball and Beyond? I mean, I don't think we've rarely have, certainly in the, in the realm of sports, we haven't been turned, I don't think we've been turned out by anybody. Uh, I know, I think we put in requests for the president, I think President Obama, I, I know we didn't put in for Trump, but I think Obama and, and uh, George W. Bush, I think we put in requests for them, couldn't do it. But outside of that, I mean, we've had the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff on. Uh, we've had Arnie Duncan when he was Secretary of Education. Uh, we had Dr. Fauci on last uh, April when the pandemic was just starting to blow up. And then in sports, forget about it. I mean, we Saban's won, what, seven national championships. He's won six at Alabama, and I bet we've had him on four times Jeez. since then. We get the national, we get the Daytona 500 winner. Uh, you know, we've had Belichick a whole bunch of times. We get all those great coaches. And then basketball, forget it, Kobe, LeBron. I mean, you name them. Uh, we've had the Chucks go on. We've had, we haven't had Shaq yet. Shaq, we, we haven't been, well, Shaq's making commercials every other day. So yeah. But we'll eventually get Shaq. Uh, uh, baseball, we've had, all, we've had many of managers. Socia, Joe Torre, Joe Madden, Girardi. Uh, who else? Football, basketball, baseball, basketball, football, football, football. Uh, we've had the college, yeah, we had the college champions, and we've had the Super Bowl champions. We're probably we're trying to get uh, we're trying to get Bruce Arians on before long. So, it's dude, it's been unbelievable. Uh, I know uh, who was it? Uh, Dabo Sweeney. We even used it in our uh, uh, we used it last year in our montage. Hey, this is bucket list item now. Being on with Coach K. Hey. And Dave Roberts, uh, a couple of months ago, hey, this is an incredible honor to be on with you. So these guys know who he is. They're all sports people and they get it. And, you know, it, that, that's been a that's been a big separator from pretty much any other talk show that's going on in the country. 
So, you know, um, there's a young guy I know. I went to high school with him a little bit. His name's Paulo Banchero, um, and he's going to be going to Duke next year. So, uh, you know, just keep Oh, no, no, that the dude that's a, the 6'10 player? Is he like 6'10? He's uh, like, he does it all. He's like a five star recruit. He's about, yeah, he was, he goes up to Ode High School. Um, yeah, I've heard good things about him. They're yeah. pretty excited to have him down yeah. there. Yeah. He's a, he's a real good kid. I remember, because I mean, I'm not, I'm not like a physical, I'm not as big guy. I mean, I played football, but whatever. And he, he played football a couple of years. He was, his, I mean, imagine that 6'10 dude playing quarterback. He's a big dude. I mean, he's, he was still growing. So, you know, that guy, he was playing quarterback for us. But I was working a game uh, at Century, well, Lumenfield, my apologies. Um, and there's, he's this big dude's walking by and he recognized me. And I, he's a real humble kid and I got to speak with him. So uh, whenever somebody's got some Duke on or, you know, anything Duke later, I'm like, hey, this kid, you're going to watch out for him. So, yeah, Paulo Benchar, he's he's a real cool kid. Yeah, I've heard good things about him, yeah. Uh, so it's going into radio as <laughs> – uh, keeping that theme, do you have a preference when it comes to uh, broadcast between radio or television, or is it just kind of you know just it's just you know it's two different disciplines, and I love them both, man. It's good. It's and it's it's just they're just different. Your caption service on TV, radio, you get to be a heck of a lot more descriptive, and uh, you can and I and you know I, I'm clearly I pride myself. Heck, I, I pride myself in being a homer. You know who the hell I want to want to win. Um, and I, I think I, I, there's a level of excitement that I, I like when I hear, hear guys do broadcasts and, and I, I try not, I get like right to the line before you get over the top, but I mean, Hey man, I'm excited to be here. We got good stories to tell. We got good information for you. Sit down you know, or do what you got to do around the house and listen to us. I mean, I love it. And so it's both, both medium, uh, are, are fantastic. And again, lucky to be, to be able to do both. And I enjoy doing both. So with that being said, is there, obviously with uh, radio, I'm sure things, you know, you've got stuff ready and prepared, um, but with, with games, right. Uh, and how, how long the season is, is there ever times that you hit a wall uh, or oh, keeping yeah. things fresh or is it, it's always stuff that's coming out or. Uh, well, well, just by the very nature of it, especially where we're located. I mean, we travel probably more than any, any, any uh, team on the continent mm-hmm. uh yeah you're gonna hit a wall every now and then but you're able to rejuvenate yourself and, and to be honest with you the game is what a lot of times I've, i can remember uh my first couple of years and i would play golf in texas which big mistake big mistake in terms <laughs> of go out and play in the morning at like 7 30 and as you're at the last nine holes it's like up to 90 something degrees come back, eat lunch, recover, and then go to the ballpark and they're ready to fall asleep at three in the third inning. That ain't going to happen. So I, I've cut back on that. Um, so, but the game does pick you up. Yeah. But, you know, you go on these 10, some of these 10 game road trips, you, you just have to learn how to pace yourself. I, I learned that the hard way a couple of times. So there's, I pick my spots when I golf on the road and, and I pick my spots, like the intensity of my workouts. I try to work out often and, uh, but yeah, you definitely can run yourself and you can run yourself into the ground. There's no question. I mean, again, you're playing a, if in the normal year, you know, I get some time off, but basically I say out of 190 games, I'm doing like a, I might miss, let's see, I might miss 90. So 180, 175 games. That's a lot. So yeah, you could, you can definitely pound yourself into the ground. There's no question about that. Do you have, it's funny you say that because right next to me, I've got my clubs and I'm by no means, I'm by no means am I any good. I, yeah, I, yeah, I, just but I love playing, man. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. No, no. Is there, Absolutely. is there a spot around the country that you've been that you, that sticks out to you? Cause I know we've got a couple courses around here, but you know, I know they're not the greatest, but. Um, no, no. Washington has good courses, man. And uh, we've played, we played Arnold Palmer's course twice. Matter of fact, the second time we were there the heck year was that where are we uh this is 21 that's got to be six years ago maybe and he was still it was right before he died like four months later five months later but we went to the clubhouse to eat lunch he was there he as he was as we were eating he was leaving and we all stood up and had a receiving line and it was super cool to meet him uh that, that was such a rush uh we played there 
play the place in something hills of Bloomington Hills. I think it is in, in, uh, outside of Detroit, uh, Las Colinas said that we stayed at the four seasons. They have a great course there. They've played the Byron Nelson there many times, played a bunch of courses in SoCal, a couple in Houston, where else we played at a place in Chicago where they used to play the Western open. I've played at elevation in Colorado, San Diego's got a, Balboa Park is a, is a, is a muni. It's, a, it's one of the best munis I've ever seen. San Francisco has the Presidio muni. Same thing. Great places. And uh, it, it's, it's one of the perks of the business, man. Um, yeah, no, that's great to hear. I miss it. I should. Uh, oh, well, we're getting to spring. So we'll be back out in the course, I'm sure. Um, is there, I'm sure there, because you've kind of talked about it. There's nothing really that You've, you've had your fair share of moments that really, you know, you can't just pick one. Is there anything that a couple item, a couple times that you would pick as, you know, almost bucket list uh, moments from your career in broadcast or anything that's like the tippy top for you? Well, yeah, I would, I would have loved to have done a Super Bowl and I, I would love to do a World Series. That ain't going to happen because even if the Mariners make the World Series, it's the network. Although, although I, you know, I wouldn't mind calling, you know, if they, I take that back if, I'd like to think I could get maybe an inning or half inning if the Mariners make it, squeeze me in for an inning uh, on radio. Uh, I would say those are the two top things. Um, uh, it's a newspaper reporter I covered. Oh, let's see. I've done regional finals as a, and I've done regional finals on radio. That's been a, you know, with teams that were a trip to the final four on the line. I've done a bunch of those. That is, that is tremendous. Those that is such a rush. Uh, that's about it, really. To be honest with you, right now I just like to, you know, just want to stay healthy and continue doing what I'm doing as long as I can. Oh yeah. Um, so speaking of doing what you're doing, um, you've got three uh, National Sports Media Association Washington State Broadcaster of the Year awards. Uh, what do those mean to you, and what does that kind of say to you about your work and the level of uh, the level of work that you hold yourself to? Well. Well, I do hold myself to a high standard. You know what's really cool? It's like that's voted on by your peers. And, you know, I don't know who, who all the voters are, but, man, three consecutive years. Wow. I, I am very appreciative. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. And uh, it means a lot. It's uh, – I remember the first time – I remember uh, Dave Gordon called me. He, is a, he runs a, runs an NSMA. Hey, and I think we had met years ago. So I just want to tell you. Been named Washington sportscaster of the end. Get out of here. Get the hell out of here. What are you I said, no, seriously. Put it on by your peers. Yada, yada, yada. I was like, damn. It's cool. And then what was great, uh, uh, what was the first year? So night, it was two years ago, we went to uh, Winston-Salem, North Carolina for the uh, that weekend that they have down there, awards weekend. Meet a lot of guys, you know, young kids like you want to get into business, and a lot of guys I've known over the years, writers and broadcasters, and you just sit around and talk shop, man. It's really cool. And it was a bummer, obviously, this past year because the pandemic couldn't go, and it, and and probably this year it, I'd be surprised if they hold uh, if they hold the the, the big weekend because what they on paper, what they want to do, they want to have one night for the 2019 winners and then oh. the 2020 winners on the, on the next night. So, so I get two trophies down there. I said, eh, send them to FedEx. <laughs> God, no, yeah. I mean, obviously, everything's been thrown into, had a wrench thrown into it. Um, on a, not, not a light note. Uh, you got to do an, uh, not got to do, you did an uh, article with the Seattle Times on George Floyd um, and the events that took place last summer. How did that come to be? Did they reach out to you? Did you reach out to them about it? And uh, how did that all come to be? I was sitting here about seven o'clock Eastern time uh, watching a little bit after it was like seven ten, and my wife and I were watching Jeopardy and phone rang like, you know, the, the old cell phone. And I looked at, I don't recognize the number of myself. It was 206. I said, I'll take a chance and answer it. And then that was a sports editor from, from uh, Seattle Times. And, hey, Hawaii, blah, blah, blah. We're just thinking with, uh, in light of what has happened, we'd like you to write an editorial, your thoughts, you know, an op-ed piece on, on you know, what's going on. 
I said, yeah, okay. I mean, I've got, you know, newspaper, newspaper ink running through my blood. I mean, I had two years, two internship years at the Philadelphia Inquirer, seven years working at the New York Daily News. So I sat down and I banged out a draft. My wife edited it and then I went back and I edited it and they gave it back to her, edited it. We had a finished product. We sent it out and they get, they, they put it on, that was a Thursday. They had it on their website Friday night. It was in the paper Sunday. And went, went, it came across real well. And I got a chance to say my piece, and you know, we don't have time to discuss all that. But uh, if you read the piece, it's online, SeattleTimes.com. <laughs> and uh, you know, I, one of the things I said, hey, that could have been me, man. Um, I've been lucky over the years not to have any significant no, no run-ins with police, and I know some, you know, I know guys who are or have been priests in there. Who, I'm looking at TV, I'm sorry, looking at priests, I'm talking about uh, cops. Um, yeah, and that was, a, that was a brutal summer. It was really bad. And it, it hurt me, obviously, and any black person, and hopefully most, any human, it hurt you to your core. That's why, you know, world capitals, you know, people were, you know, just outraged and, and got out and demonstrated and spoke their piece and you know, we, we've come a long way since I was, I can remember watching the civil rights movement on TV and the people getting hosed and beaten on and attacked by dogs in the 60s. Come a long way since then, but man, we still got a long ways to go. And you know, this country, it's a great country, but it, it has never been perfect. It's probably never gonna be perfect, but boy, it certainly can work a hell of a lot harder to be better. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I do, you know, just being able to read that. I just like to, you know, be able to educate myself on, you know, what's going on and the different viewpoints. I just kind of want to listen before I really, uh, you know, go out and do anything about it. Cause I remember my parents were down, um, at the one, uh, near the Nordstrom's when all that happened, you know? So, uh, you know, I just want to thank you for taking the time to speak with me and all the work that you've done. Cause like I said, whenever I'm, I'm here and I turn the game on, it's Dave Sims. So, you know, just being have, able to have somebody who's got so much experience and uh, so much to say, you know, and be able, able to speak with you. I really do appreciate it. Um, and just, you know, thank you for your time. You're welcome, man. Charles, good luck to you. And uh, I appreciate you reaching out. Man. Good luck to you and continued success with your podcast. Thank you. Baba Bowie.